just mm-hmm. I, I think we have to give the customers more credit than what they are given today. I, I like agree. That. And uh, and that's what I think. If if we go back to the old school way of doing it, I mean, they're just going to go somewhere else. I mean, like I think it's perfect. People want to buy; they don't want to be sold. That is just the way it is. And if you go out there and say, "I'm going to sell." You're just in trouble. Yeah. Welcome to the Strategy with Jason podcast. Tune in for everything you need to know to stay in the know regarding the automotive industry. Here's your host, Jason Harris. Hey, 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 what's going on, Podcast Nation? It is Jason Harris here, and thank you for joining me on another episode of Strategy with Jason. Today, we are in beautiful Napa Valley, California, at the amazing DMSC event hosted by the one and only Glenn and Brian Pash. I have an amazing set of guests with me today. I have Curtis, Tara, and Steve. Guys, what's up? How you doing? Just lovely. Wonderful, wonderful. <laughs> doing great. Doing great. That's what happens when you give a kid a microphone. Um <laughs> Hey, uh, for everybody out there watching and listening right now, maybe don't know kind of who you are and what your background is, I'd like to kick off these podcasts with a little origin story, A, because I'm always fascinated. So, Curtis, I'll start with you, and I'll work my way down. Tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got started in this crazy little world we call the automotive industry. Well, I started selling cars about 25 years ago, and uh, I realized pretty quickly that I didn't like sitting around doing nothing, so I got into automotive marketing, uh, worked my way up to uh, software development. I built... Uh, the first automated uh, sales retention product in the country, it's still used today by uh, AutoPoint Solera, and I've uh, built seven different uh, lifecycle marketing platforms. Nice, nice. Well, I'm glad that you just kind of decided to jump into automotive. Yeah. You just woke yeah. up one day, right? I did. You I did? did? You're like, I just, did. I'm going to get into I stopped automotive. By. Oh, I you stopped by. by. I buy a car and I <laughs> got a job. That wasn't a nightmare, though, was it? <laughs> it was like, <laughs> feels like I woke up and it wasn't a dream. I'm actually in the business. <laughs> and I peed my pants. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm sorry, Tara. You could be in between the two of these. No, I'm just kidding. Awesome. <laughs> Tara, I love your story. So share with the audience who maybe don't know who you are a little bit about yourself and how you got started in the business. Well, right now, I feel a little bit like Marissa Tomei and my cousin Benny when they <laughs> asked her why she was qualified to be a mechanic after that um, because you know my father was in the car business I was born in Flint Michigan Love it. Um, so yeah I was I was born in Flint Michigan home of GM my whole family worked for manufacturers obviously um, after I got out of the army I started selling cars cute story there but started selling cars and I worked my way up through the dealership at the front of the house from salesperson all the way up to GM um, about six years ago decided I wanted to uh, actually sit on my butt more mm. and uh, got into media. Um, so I uh, started working for Spectrum Reach and I'm the uh, automotive director of sales and strategy. Awesome. Nice. Yeah, awesome. Nice. Very nice. Wow. Now, Steve uh, from a hatchling uh, got into the automotive. No, I, was a, I was born in an accident. <laughs> he was genetically the- modified to be in the automotive industry. <laughs> that's, that's why his hair sticks up like that, by the way. No, that's right. <laughs> Steve, how'd you get started in this crazy world? <laughs> well, you, I mean, I just told you the story of what last week, but I'll throw a different spin on it there this we time. Go. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, well, gosh, I've been in three industries. So I was engineering uh, for five years. I did uh, medical for 16 years, and then I got an automotive. But um, the last 15 years of my career have been startups. So uh, what I was passionate about, uh, what I learned uh, with my first startup, getting successful um, in a medical, uh, transformed me because I was using CRMs throughout my entire career. So when a buddy of mine who I met on my four-wheeler asking about, hey, do you want to play poker? You want to do poker night? (laughs) He said, hey, uh, yeah, after we play poker and we hang out for a while, he said, man, I want you to take a look at the CRM. 
and I took a look at it and had video in it, and I just was sucked into to helping them build a product <laughs> in the automotive space, which I love CRM, so it just was uh, a natural fit, but I didn't think I'd ever leave the medical industry to get in this uh, industry, <laughs> but no, clearly, I'm a fit. You are. You love <laughs> or a misfit. CRM. I don't know. But, misfit. Uh, no, actually, I love that you bring up the word because I've described the automotive industry several times as being the island of misfit toys. Oh, yeah. You guys remember that movie? We're talking about yeah, being yeah. kids. Well, actually, I have a comment about Steve, if, if you don't mind. I, Absolutely, I just, you know, please. So, been in 25 years in the car business, and you've seen this too that a lot of the vendor community or just companies, period, come and go. But the good ones always have a front man. And there's no question that you are Drive Centric's front man oh, and one of the one. best that I've ever seen in this industry. Well, and thank that, you. That's, that's a compliment. You won't get anything more than that. My that's hair is it. getting bigger yes. as we speak. Yes. My so. hair is getting bigger as we speak. <laughs> <laughs> I, love I it. am so sorry you're <laughs> in the middle of this. <laughs> Tara's such a trooper, man. I love it. I love it. She's oh, like, but oh, thank yeah. you. That's very kind. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a pleasure. I mean, yeah. it's, a, it's a great industry. It really is. And, and really the automotive community and just all the friends. I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm just always happy that when you come in as an outsider, you know, there's already a, a good group of people. And, mm -hmm. you know, you just wind up meeting new people as yep. you go to these shows. And so I was very happy and blessed that a lot of people were welcome, a stranger into this industry. So yeah. it's awesome. Absolutely. Well, Curtis, you know, the fact that you actually brought up kind of the vendor relationship, I think that's actually kind of a cool direction to go because, you know, uh, when I was a dealer principal, I always kind of considered my vendors as like a stew. Mm -hmm. Right, I got a dash of this, I got a chunk of that, and I got a <laughs> sprinkle and a little bit of this, and and, and it's got to taste good, not right. just to me and my staff, but also to the customers. Sure, you know. Um, so, but but I'm finding, you know, definitely recently that there seems to be more and more division, right, in kind of the vendor world, and it's like everybody wants to own their portion of the experience. Sure, and because of that, the handoff from maybe one piece of technology or one, one portion of marketing to the CRM to the overall, it just, it seems to be a disconnect. So I think yeah. that's kind of what I wanted to jam a little bit about you got, about today, guys. And I wanted to kind of get your thoughts and opinions of how we can kind of better, you know, the, the I guess the technology handoff experience, you know, between vendors. So Curtis, I'll start with you and I'll work my way down to Steve. Well, I mean, you know, I think that subject when you, you just brought up the fact that, that we should go down and talk about the customer experience, there's no question here at this conference that the customer mm -hmm. experience has been at the forefront. And, and it's one of the things that I've been, I actually developed the first consumer portal with my equity mining platform back in 2009, 2010. And, you know, there's been a lot of companies that have tried to do, you know, somewhat similar things and stuff like that. But what, the reason why we did it was because salesmen would take phone calls and they'd update the customer's mileage and, and, and basically, you know, pretty nominal stuff. I'm not ready to buy a car right now, but I want, I want my data accurate, right? And so we started picking up those signals from the customer that it was important that they had a contribution to their vehicle profile, household profile. And so that consumer experience started for us a long time ago. And, and so we, we carry that through today where they're able to work their own deal, much, much similar to how a digital retailing tool works today. Difference being that we're there all the time. We're the light switch that turns on when you buy a car and, and, and that's it, you know. And so 
where we like to do what you talk about the handoff is handing off that you know in your case you know if we're able to give data to and and correct me if i'm wrong if i'm able to give you data you can target those people can you not absolutely okay and for you in your case with drive centric if i get this person i'm sending out these communications like you know honda downtown la we sent out like fifty six thousand communications last month so no. my handoff is going to go to drive centric in the form of ADF XML lead into their, their CRM, but only when the consumer has come from the top of the funnel down mm -hmm. to a point where we want to really follow up with that customer because they're ready to go. Not every single lead that comes into the CRM is one that you should chase. And so we want to be the ones that when you see that come in, you take action on it because it's real. And that's kind of our customer experience. Um, we do a lot of other things, but I don't want to hog the mic. No, so. no, but look, look, I think we're getting into the era of dealers being more data conscious. Yes. Um, like they understand it. Like the, it, the data is there. Yeah. All right. I, I need to be able to utilize it and how I can actually make it actionable. Um, you know, Tara, there's so many different data points that we can work off of and dealers are becoming more and more educated with that. But that's a, a very, a huge important part of handing that off is that data exchange. 100%. And for my company right now, we're really looking at working with all of the people in that data stack that dealers are having to work with right now and finding ways to partner with them and mm. make it so all that data can be handed off and transferred in a more seamless way. Um, that's really important to us because obviously we want to be able to show that our metrics are working as well. We have lots of data points of our own. Dealers have lots of data points, but to be able to partner with all the vendors and all of us start working together yes. and really making it so it's not this you know walled off area, well, this is my space or that's your space. Uh, just working together and making that experience easier for the dealers. I think partners that accomplish that are really going to be the ones who win in the end because they're going to make the dealer's world so much easier and effective for them. Well, it betters the customer experience. I mean, that's that's the whole point, yeah. right? It is being able to connect those options and exchange that data, having that data handoff from one piece of technology to another piece of technology is just ultimately going to just better the experience. Look, the, the more behavioral data you can take from the CRM, and you guys are hardcore video, how much better does that make that video when the customer, when when that salesperson's able to see so much more of that consumer journey up until the point it hits CRM. Well, yeah, I mean, well, just and I'm just gonna go back on Curtis and everything coming in downstream to from into the CRM because w the one thing that I can appreciate that uh, we're all saying is I think collaboratively vendors need to work together. I mean, I hate yeah, the word agreed. vendor, but uh, I I prefer partner, um, but. The way I, I think it's important that everybody knows collaboratively how like I know how their product works, how their product works, how our product works, because ultimately if the dealer hears the same message right now, I think they get so many different messages. What do I believe? And I think that's one of the things um, just coming from previous industries that that is very important. I mean, I know we're not in medical, but I mean, you know, you talk to a doctor about a therapy or a surgery procedure, and it's very important that the nurse assist, first assist, everybody's mm -hmm. saying that it's working collaboratively together as a team for that best therapeutic outcome I really believe that you know like if we're going out and marketing and let's just say we know that our stores are getting a 70% engagement if your sources or your sources are having uh, better success in certain digital communication how do you get that mm -hmm. customer into the store that's where like for example video what should the salesperson say on a video to let's right. say your customer or your customer because um, we could go out there and teach video all day long but there may be some good strategies that you've seen at other dealerships that hey if they're going to send a video this is the best script to do a video right. to you know what i mean 
Um, but at the end of the day, the customer experience, everything, what we talk about falls in the CRM. The customers buying a car so fast. So the biggest thing that I always, you know, work collaboratively with other vendors on is make sure customers are heard mm-hmm. and responded to very, very fast in a yes. conversation. We are in a chat world. So oh, that's what 100%. our CRM becomes is more of a chat tool. Well, it's about the speed of connection, yeah. right? That's ultimately what it is, right? Uh, from from the marketing to the data to the CRM to the engagement platform, it, it, it is is all just about just connection. Um, so many things I think have changed in just our approach to the customer experience in the last 24 months, which was kind of interesting, right? Because I think kind of leading up to COVID, we were still a lot of conversations like how do we better the customer experience? How do we better how, the, the holy grail of customer experience? You know, we're trying to define what that is and then bam, pandemic hits. Mm-hmm. And it, it almost just kind of forces us to fast track. I mean, I saw I saw more changes to the customer experience in a positive way over the last 24 months than I probably have in the last decade before that. But yeah, I am I a little concerned right. though that as things come back to normal, inventory levels start to rise, do we go back to what, do we just go back to the way it is? I'd love to kind of get your guys' thoughts on that. I, I have a big opinion on that because <laughs> I've thought a lot about that. So I've had a lot of friends in, and in, in I'm sure you guys have as well, who are, are also vendor partners who have not made it and yeah. have lost their companies or, um, and I think that's part and parcel to, you talked about the divisiveness being at a higher rate today than it was in, in times past. And I think that's because every, I mean, what happens when you're in the wild, right? Everybody's trying to go for that one, you know, the, the, the hunt and the kill. And, and, and I think that's what's happened here is, is cause I'm, I'm a guy that goes into the stores all over, you know, the Southwest. And, and so there's a huge difference today than there was six months ago mm-hmm. and the previous six months before that because I was in the stores all the time with on a mask or whatever. And I think what has changed is there's a lot of companies who decided, kind of like the OEMs doing with the payments when they're never calculated correctly, it's a space they shouldn't be in. Okay, they have a dealer network who calculate payments accurately for a reason. And so they, you know, I can also be vocal about it like Brian can because I don't have any factory (laughs) programs, you know, so, but they shouldn't be in that space. And I think there's some vendor companies who have gotten into doing things that they don't typically do. And so now there's this natural divisiveness that has come up because you know, I, I look at him, he's, oh, he's calculating payments now. Now he's my competition. No, he's not. He's not, okay? What we need to be doing is having a conversation about how I can calculate a payment in the cloud at home and yes. hand it off to him in the store so there's not a letdown. And so I think, you know, ultimately, what was the question? I forgot. Oh, and, you know, <laughs> Chris, you're the best, by the way. Sorry. But no, I do like where you're going with that because it is really the need of technology, right? The need, yeah. the, the need of technology and process was just exponential in the last 24 yeah. months. Yeah. And and because of that, I think as in the vendor world, we we all kind of like picked up picked yeah. up our britches, like, okay, let's let's do this. And we all just started developing as quick as possible to kind of meet, oh, you, to meet the need. I got it now. So you said, what happens if we decide <laughs> to go back? So what that that's the part I've been thinking about is, what do you do if you have kids you know that if you teach them over and over and over again eventually they'll forget their old habits and they'll 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 keep the new habits and i think we're kind of at that point in this industry where we've the chip shortage has been so long because i mean you guys remember oh well you don't remember because you're probably in medical but 0809 turned out oh my god it was brutal right and and we didn't know when it was going to end but we (laughs) knew at the end of it 
okay, if this comes again, there is an end, there is a cycle to it. And so I think we're kind of there too, because I think that some of the habits they're going to keep, and hopefully those would be the positive ones. Yes. Um, but I also hope they keep the profitability, maybe not the, you know, the guy that's way up here, you know, <laughs> you know, the $17,000 on, on a Kia, you know, <laughs> but no, but I mean, just let's keep, let's keep, because the dealers deserve to make the profit off of new cars and used cars and, and let's keep that consistency and let's not race to the bottom. But at the same time, let's exchange information. Let's share information with each other because, you know, I'm no good if I don't share with you, you're no good, you know, and so on and so forth. So. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, I hope that we keep some of the stuff that has happened to us. we got to keep that snowball. Tara, yeah. for yourself, how do, you, how do you think we can kind of maintain that snowball of change and we keep that rolling? Or are you concerned, like myself, I am concerned. i got no problem admitting it. Like, I am concerned that inventory levels will come back and we're just going to go right back to yeah. what's comfortable with us. Because, look, the way we're communicating is not comfortable. So, Tara, your, what are your thoughts? So, it's going to be an unpopular opinion. Have you ever like, seen that? Like Unpopular that. opinions. Yes. Um, Bring it. <laughs> yeah. Uh -huh. Ready. So I think it's going to be hard to go back to the way it was mm -hmm. because you're going to have 18 months at least, two years is solid, but 18 months at least of sales staff who haven't been selling. Yes, that's <laughs> correct. So it's hard to My go back job. to what you were doing before <laughs> yes. when you have people who don't know how to sell cars anymore, yeah. which is that necessarily a bad thing? There's definitely bad parts to that. There's bad parts to it because they're not doing anything to engage the customers or give that great customer experience. Actually, I'm finding they're giving horrible customer experience. They're like, yeah, I got one. It's over there. You want it? I mean, you've done nothing to brand or really make that person be there. But on that customer journey as well. If we can then train these salespeople who don't have that sales experience to just be more customer centric, because they're obviously not salespeople at this point anyhow, yes. but to train them to be more customer centric, maybe we get that positive result and it does continue to snowball, like you said, and can move this forward. Maybe it is the catalyst. It has to get that bad before <laughs> it really, the positives come out of it and it comes down the hill. No, that's a great point. In fact, when I think, when I think about it, you think about, you know, during the pandemic, you know, leading through it, there was just a big focus on experience and the technology that that experience brings. And then we're getting kind of getting back to normal. Now we're dealing with, uh, a chip shortage and an inventory shortage and it's just to your point it's like it's over there yep <laughs> yeah <laughs> five grand over that price you don't want it all right have a good day um tomorrow it's gonna be six grand <laughs> tomorrow's yeah. gonna be six grand you better Sorry, buy it just today <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh Oh. Steve, man, seems like I'm thoughts? going back to medical. I'm done. No, I, no, no, no. You know, I mean, I'm telling you, like, again, not being in it as long as you all have. But I, I mean, look, I'm all about the customer experience. I think Sherry uh, said something yesterday in the presentation. And, you know, it's it, it was great the way she put it out there about having empathy for the customer mm -hmm. as well as being knowledgeable yeah. about the product. Um, Look, we're selling cars. There's so much information out there. There's the, I, I mean, the, the way I kind of look at it, and again, I, I like bringing things from other industries into automotive because yeah. it's so relevant. Um, you know, and I'll just, if you have a kid with type 2 diabetes, you're probably in a forum, 
you know, on Facebook. Yep. And, it, you know, what I tell everybody is, uh, and this was 10 years ago, so keep that in mind. But you could go in, and I would tell the doctor, hey, I want to get this prescription because this is what I know that this forum group says. It's the best prescription. Write me that prescription. <laughs> We're going into that therapy. You know what that makes me? My own doctor. Yeah. What do I need you? I need you to write the prescription, Mr. Yeah. Doctor. So the idea is we're selling cars, and it, there's so much information. You could go into an F-150 Facebook group probably and ask any question if you want on the F-150, and you'd be more knowledgeable than anybody else. Say, yeah. I just want that car. Yeah. So it, the reality is that stuff is happening today, yeah. and mm-hmm. so I just mm-hmm. I, I think we have to give the customers more credit than what they are given today. I agree. And uh, and that's what I think if if we go back to the old school way of doing it, I mean they're just going to go somewhere else. I mean like I think it's perfect. People want to buy, they don't want to be sold. That is just the way it is. And if you go out there and say I'm going to sell, you're just in trouble. Yeah. You got to yeah, I think customer right. experience is everything. If I can get the customer to laugh, give me an LOL, send me a gif back, send me a video back, <laughs> I created customer yeah. experience. If you don't get any of that, it, customer experience is not tangible. Yeah. There's no way. So when a dealership says, "Oh, we got great customers." How do you know? Yeah. <laughs> no, but you're well, you're, they, you're 100% right. I mean, thinking about this, guys. I mean, look, and I, and I love Terry that you said this. I mean, look, uh, the inventory shortage is not going to be solved anytime soon right we probably have at least another 18 24 months and maybe some manufacturers 36 months and what's that doing to our salespeople? they're no longer being salespeople; they're only facilitating the transaction right so then i guess my, my next question for you guys because i'd love to kind of get your thoughts on that is then what is the responsibility of a salesperson over this period well um is it my turn yes okay um so <laughs> did you put your hand up and, I, <laughs> and and hi Curtis. So the uh, what here's what I would say. Um, so I I'm from Colorado, so I I'm close to the guys at A to Z Sync, and uh, I know Alan Crutch. You know the guys at Fuse and stuff like. That. It's been fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, I re- and and Marat and I are, have known each other for ten years. I mean, there's seriously no better operator. Well, there's other better operators, but not that young. I mean, he, he's really going to be a great instrument in our industry, and I hope he keeps coming out and, and speaking. But the uh, the single sales model that I had a unique opportunity with with a guy by the name of Brian Hudson, to who works for ADZ Sync, and he gave me the cut like the 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 whole tour and everything inside their headquarters. And what I would say is that um, when you use their model. You, you have a, a sales process that's replicatable because you're reliant on the software mm-hmm. process from A to B to, you know, to, you know, A to, <laughs> a to Z. <laughs> and, uh, and so I, I like that. And I haven't had the, the pleasure of, Alan's going to show me um, the fuse piece and how they did it. And I think all of this, the clustering of, of where all this comes together is in a singular communication model, um, a singular sales system that I don't want to say that a monkey can do, but you don't have to, because I go into these dealerships all the time, sit at the desk, it's my favorite place to be, and I watch the things that they complain about all the time when the salesman comes, oh, you don't have his driver's license, you don't have the, you know, they're, they're totally, you know, not following the process. This software, their software, is completely designed to, the whole thing is a process. Well, it's, defi- right? it's defining the process. Yeah, so I think that, go our go forward in this industry is going to look i'm not saying every dealer needs to go and do it exactly how they do it what i'm saying is it's going to look like that from a sales perspective 
the talent you have, the guy that is selling 25 cars a month, uh, so he's a GM now, you know, yeah, he's going to go away. It, look, we're painting by numbers. Yes. All right. We're, we're painting by numbers. Yep. And that sounds bad when no, we that's say good, that. That's a good one. Yeah. But that's not actually horrible. No. I mean, if, if, if you know, my, my kids are at the age, so they like playing paint, they like paint, paint by, by numbers. numbers. And I kind of come by, I'm like, <laughs> well, that actually looks pretty damn good um you know so but but then, uh, then the question is then if we are going to be painting my numbers then what is that ultimate responsibility and the expectations of of the salesperson tara your thoughts so i think we've talked about customer experience a lot and i think we heard that you know jeff bezos that's the most important to him mm, thing yes, to him is customer experience i think for dealers to truly survive and be that place that customers want to go to steve's point they already know all about the car. They're mm -hmm. in all the forms. They've been researching it. They know all the little doodads it has. It's about building, the salesperson's job is about building that brand experience, why mm. that dealer, and making that customer experience the ultimate experience that they want to go there. Why, like you want to go to an Apple store, mm -hmm. right? Or you want to go to these different places. They, they give you this amazing customer experience. That's going to be their job. Why them? Why come to them? Them as an individual, the personality. The, the dealer uh -huh. and that, and we, you know, th them as the individual, that particular dealer. It's not about the car anymore. It's going to be That's about true. why coming to, mm -hmm. to them. And it's going to be all about that awesome customer experience that they can provide. The way they interact all the way from the chat and the way they interact when they come to the store. and Just making it be that more holistic approach and exciting. Excitement Exciting. breeds excitement. We all know this mm -hmm. from the oh, car yeah. industry forever. And that's really, that experience is what sells cars. A Saturday afternoon in a dealership, well, pre-COVID, <laughs> was, was the reason you sold so many cars was because it was exciting. Yeah. All these people yes. were saying yes. Building that experience, that's truly going to be their job. I love, the, I love the fact that you bring that up because I was just thinking about this. You know, uh, I've been asked this question a few times, like, what was my first experience in a car dealership? And I was, I was eight years old, mm. and I went with my dad to buy uh, an F-150. Huh. And you know we went to uh, it was Don Chalmers Ford yeah. in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Albuquerque, and I know yeah. I know you're from the Southwest, yeah. so I figured you'd yeah. probably know who it was, right? Yeah, I was just in there um, two weeks ago. And I, we we got there, and there was a petting zoo, <laughs> and a bouncy castle. I love it. All right, and a hot dog guy. I can believe and, that. Yeah. Um, and and you know what? To me, at eight years old, oh my god, I was like, this is amazing. I can have whatever I want and run around and do whatever. I Absolutely, as long as you don't come over here, son. Um, <laughs> you know? So like, I actually, my dad even will tell this story. He goes, like, literally for almost a couple years after that, if I asked you what you want to do on the weekend, you would say, I want to go to Don Chalmers Ford. Yeah. Uh, because I that, believe that's that. what I associated. Yeah. I associated this just really cool yeah. experience. And to your point, Tara, I mean, that's... I think that's I think that's a great point. That's what's going to have to happen. That is going to be the responsibility. The the why buys need to evolve, right? It's not enough that we've been in business for thirty years and we are family owned and we're part of the. Who you know? cares? <laughs> right. yeah. Who cares? Exactly. We got a purple gorilla and lots of kids' toys. Bring them. Number down. one volume dealer. <laughs> Number one. We have <laughs> balloons. <laughs> Big one. We need to move all these cars by Monday night. Period. Period. Oh, the three they have in a lot. Um, <laughs> for, for you, Steve, what do you think that that salesperson's responsibility needs to be now moving forward? Well, I, I think, again, I'm going to talk from a technology perspective because everything happens in the CRM. 
I mean, it mm-hmm. just does. I mean, nobody's ever going to change my mindset on that. Um, I know we get the data, but I think the responsibilities, like we're trying to teach our stores, get rid of about 80% of the business rules because nobody's doing them anyway. Right. You know, it's just, I it's agree. all about, uh, see, we're all laughing because it's true. <laughs> I mean, but I mean, if there's one thing that's going to change, that would be one of the things we could all bind together on is like, get rid of these freaking business rules. Um, but no, like, it, you know, and use technology to get re-engagement of the customers. If they're, if I think we're all having to do more with less in the auto industry. And before COVID, I think the average salesperson was doing 12 cars. I think it was what yeah, the NADA the 11, average was. Yeah, 11, 5, I think it was. And then it went to like 15 during yeah. COVID. I I think ultimately, if we can get rid of a lot of business, I would love to see the average salesperson get to 20 to 25 cars. Amen. And, you know, and that's, if you could do more with less and be more efficient uh, and just talk to the customers, give the customers credit. And again, they're going to reach back out to you if you do get a good experience or if they're on your website and you can know the right time. The other thing too, I think it's important is they got to just, you know, talk about customer experience. What do they do to like read somebody's Facebook page? And I mean, it's amazing how many times I go out, talk social selling. And if I go out there and I know that Curtis has got like three kids or something, I'll call him Curtis. You got three kids. No, that would be creeper. But that's the reason why he wants third row seating people, you know, or, or, you know, if you know, I'm a St. Louis blues fan, they're playing the Colorado avalanche, you know, now I can have fun with him because hopefully he's a hockey guy. Uh, Yeah. Just don't run over my goalie again. Um, But anyway, but, but those are all the things like, you know, you create customer experience. It's making it personal. It's connecting with the person. Sales 101 is learning one thing about the person and focus on that 99% of the time and you win the deal. Yeah. And that's what I just tell everybody in sales. And um, it, so, yeah, I think if you can build a relationship, that's going to be all about the customer experience and people remember you for that. Well, it is about that experience. And, you know, I was thinking about this as we were kind of talking. Right? Like, we're looking at the next 18, 24, possibly even 36 months, guys, of no negotiation. Like, just think about that for a second, right? No negotiation. So these customers that are purchasing right now are purchasing, going into it, knowing that they're not negotiating, all right? I'm just looking for someone to facilitate an amazing experience. Now, when they come back for the next purchase, it's going to be the same thing all over again. Can I jump in here? I'm sorry. Yes. So I, I get this because I'm thinking about this and my old man. I'll forget. <laughs> go, but anyway, go, it'll come all, he'll no, be no, talking no, no. Go, hockey go, or please. something. But no, this is, this is what I think to that point, okay? I, I say this to dealerships. Customers have no control over the pricing. Mm-hmm. What can they ha- get control over? How they buy the vehicle. Yes. So if if we know that this is a great opportunity for dealerships to kind of say and, and have that Chick-fil-A moment as far as how do I want to rebrand my dealership and the different ways that customers can buy the 100%. car. And I, I if they don't take advantage over that opportunity, they're just they're crazy. It's just, I just don't understand why in the world. Let's if, if Sherry can buy that Porsche remotely, I mean, yeah. we go out there, nobody goes out there and says, well, you want to do this on a live room meeting or a Zoom meeting and we can do a part of this deal remotely instead of waiting until Saturday and hope the customer's going to come in. It's just it, timing is everything. If I'm on the phone and I can get the customer engaged and I get them looking at the car, I have a better chance of buying. Absolutely. So anyway, so I just wanted to throw that out there because that was a Well, no, it's an exciting time. It actually generates quite an opportunity. Look, guys, I know it's towards the tail end of our time today, and I'm pretty confident we could probably go considerably longer. You guys have been an amazing set of guests. Thank you guys oh, so much are, Thank you for much. taking the time to jam. Hey, with for everybody out there that's watching and listening right now and would love to connect with you, what's the best way to do so? Curtis, I'll start with you, and I'll work my way down. So uh, you can dial up 319-504-2000. <laughs> Two. No, 319-504-2002. Text me 
before I'm going to say that because I know Steve's going to say that, so I'm just going to say it right now. Text me, not Steve, or text Steve. And do you then think me. the watchers are literally having a pen and paper on their hand yes. right now? Yes, text me. Here, I have a QR code for you. No. no. Anyways, uh, or go to marketpoint.io. Marketpoint.io. Thank you, Curtis. Tara, for yourself. Well, since it was thrown out there, I feel like I have to now. Yes. Uh, so, yes, absolutely text me at 253-266-1339. Or you could always email me at Tara Rigo uh, at charter.com. That's T-A-R-A dot R-E-G-O at charter.com. Awesome. Steve? Just DM me at the Live with Drive guy. Come on. Go on my Facebook page. Go on my. Just send me some smoke signals. That's I'll right. It's DM me. You're not going to write down my number. DM me. Live with Drive guy. Steve Russler. There you go. Go live. Go live. Woo! Live with Drive. Guys, thank you so much for taking the time to jam with me, Dan. This has been an absolute blast. Thanks for tuning in to the Strategy with Jason podcast with your host, Jason Harris. Don't want to miss new content? Be sure to check out the full podcast library at strategywithjason.com to stay in the know. Remember to like, comment, and subscribe. Happy podcasting.